All right, before we get into today's mailbox episode of the Listen In Podcast, we just wanted to quickly plug our iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher pages. So if you like what you hear on the podcast today, it would be greatly appreciated if you could subscribe to us on iTunes or leave us a review. We are a you know, up-and-coming new podcast, and any new reviews or subscribers really, really helps. So if you could do that, that would be great. Let's go. Listen in podcast, you know what it is, episode 20. Big anniversary for us. Big anniversary. It's huge. It's a, it's a big day. Um, I'm all excited. Um, and, and we didn't get Vampire Weekend, Dead John Lennon, or any of the promised bands we talked about they last fell week. through. They agreed. <clears throat> they originally agreed. They're like, yeah, we'll come on. We'll, we'll play a set. And uh, fell through they for some up, reason. They ended up flaking. But what we have planned instead is a, a mailbag episode. I'm mail excited bag. about this. We, mail time. So a popular podcast with like tons of adoring fans, they would throw out like, hey, mail us, tweet us your questions, and they'd be just flooded. We had to basically bully our friends <laughs> and friends of the pod into doing it. So for those of you who submitted questions, we appreciate it. We're excited to answer questions we made you ask. So what you should have said instead was like, we got a ton of mailbag questions this week, and then we take the questions that we bullied people to give us, yeah. and we're like... Carl from St. Louis asks, and people are like, oh, shit, like, they have a national audience? Like, what? That would have been the smart way to go. That would have been to trick people into it. We uh, we didn't go that route, because I just, in transparency, told everyone okay. what happened. It's okay. But uh, next mailbag episode, we'll fool people with that. Yeah, and, and Carl from St. Louis is going to be writing in. Lexi from California says... Asks. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jake and Sean. Anyways, let's, um, let's jump into some of the meat of this episode. Yeah, so before we dive into our mailbag questions, we wanted to do one of our segments entitled Buy or Sell. Jake, you do like the, the PTI <coughs> buy or sell voice? It's buy or sell. <laughs> this week's buy or sell, Jake, is the lawsuit against Kanye West in title yeah. for basically saying the life of Pablo would be a title exclusive and then it being released on all these different streaming services. Do you buy or sell the validity of this lawsuit? So the lawsuit is essentially that they just misled fans. Yeah. They just misled the buying public. I think I sell it because, I mean, as much as I kind of agree with this dude, it's like, first of all, you don't have something better with your time to be doing than to, like, suing Kanye West for this. And also, like... A tweet, I don't think, holds up as, like, legal. Like, just because you said, like, you can only ever buy this on uh, on a title, I don't think that's legally binding. And also, like, that would make commercials that are, like, limited time only, like, this, like, today only you can get, the, like, that, I just don't see this holding up, and it doesn't really, like, I think they can do what they want. They can put it where they want. I'm going to buy this okay. only because we need some sort of structure with all of these exclusive, non-exclusive album releases. Like Drake is coming out with Apple Music. Uh, or, or is coming out with Views from the Six. It's only going to be on Apple Music. What if two weeks later he's like, oh, it's on Spotify too because that helps my bottom line. Right. And, and 
we need a little structure here. I'm, I bet these people don't have a leg to stand on legally because you're right. right. You probably can't. But, you know, we need a little something that we can hang our hat on and say, no, I will not be duped into buying a title subscription because Kanye West put his his thing on there. And I guess that's what I'm saying. It's like I agree with what he's what the people, the fans who are suing him are getting at in principle. I think legally they're going to be hard-pressed to, like, win this. Agreed. Because Kanye, like, amidst a string of tweets that showed he's clearly mentally unstable, happened to say, like, oh, this is never being released. It's like, dude, if I've learned anything from Kanye's tweets, it's don't believe what he says. Right. Don't believe it. Believe the opposite, probably. Believe the exact opposite, which is what happened. I don't know. I just don't, like, so I just think that, and I agree with you. I think that there's a way in which it's, like, we're going to need to, like, trust people eventually. Like, because I don't believe Drake right now. No, I don't either. Like, it's going to eventually either. come out somewhere else. Although no. Taylor Swift has been pretty She's steadfast. been staunch on that. Yeah. Steadfast and staunch. She Some has. alliteration, a couple good words. We have become kind of like a, a legal music-like law podcast. We talked Led Zeppelin lawsuit last week. We're talking Kanye lawsuit. Maybe we rethink this whole, like, other side and we only talk about like music case law yeah I think what we, say you i think we should i'm in a communications law class right now you're qual you're so qualified then i am as qualified as any any legal counsel you could have found That's so right. i mean That's it's a like, lucky you have me on here um jake so i can sage advice so i can say fancy sounding stuff like legal standing and like <laughs> like just like stuff that i'm kind Torts. of yeah <laughs> tort law yeah um but yeah i'm, I'm buying it we need we need some structure and, like, I agree with you. I just am selling this from a legal standpoint. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't no, think this guy is going to win this lawsuit. Understood. Uh, also, before we get into our first mailbag ooh. question. I'm just oohing at the, I see what's next on the agenda. Uh, let's talk a couple new releases. Uh, so we had a couple kind of dialed back acoustic folky releases this week after a couple weeks of more, like, I guess, sonically diverse and aggressive albums. Sure. We get kind of a dialed back release from who do you want to talk first Jake I'm really really excited about Sturgill Simpson and that's who I want to talk about so Sturgill Simpson is like an alt outlaw country artist outlaw country he's like outlaw country <laughs> and th this album I had some doubts about it like when I it, it streamed on NPR and when I saw that it was a country record I was like not particularly excited because I'm not a big fan of a lot of country this guy has some interesting stuff to say this album is a concept album. It's basically an ode to, or like sort of a welcoming of it to his son, like to Earth. That's what the first song is called, Welcome to Earth. And um, a lot of cool stuff on here, some psychedelic, like distorted pedal steels and slide guitars and um, just some really great performances. And what are your thoughts? I really, really like this album. Yeah. The subject matter is very touching. And like, I remember the, it was like the first or second time I listened to this, this record. And I was thinking if I had a kid like, even at all. Like, they, they could be an adult. And if I listened to this album, I would have a big connection to it. I can't even imagine somebody that, like, just had a kid, like, less than a year ago. You would probably weep at this album. Just oh, with, course. like, the sentiment that's on it. Like, I felt shit about this album. And, like, I'm the furthest thing away from, from children. From someone about to have kids. Yeah, and I was just like, this guy, like, this is amazing. Just the things he, he's doing and saying to his son. Like, I, I hope his son grows up one day and appreciates the art that his that his father laid down that about this experience. And the thing is, it's kind of like the ultimate, and this is literally a lyric on the album, but it's also an old, like, trope of a saying is, do as I say, not as I do. And that's sort of the sentiment of this album. Because it's about how... 
Sturgill, like, kind of flamed out of the Navy and, like, I think ended up selling drugs and stuff or, like, got into this the country scene. Like, you can tell this is a person who walked a ragged and um, sort of, uh, what's the word? Um, Nomadic? No, I'm thinking of, like, the curved, like, an indirect route to where he ended up. What was the word I was trying to think of? I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll source that later. Either way, he's—it's sort of the sentiment of like he's hoping his son has an easier life, which I think everyone. Hopes. Yeah, and I—I I think to say it's alt country or outlaw country is accurate. Um, there definitely is that vibe. However, it's definitely a country record. There's no doubt. I will say, if you don't like country, you will—I think you could still like this this album. I don't like country. I like this album. I. This is just gives more credence to what I always sort of think, which is that I would like country if people did more interesting stuff with it. I don't need more songs about like red solo cups and like pickup trucks and all the stereotypes right. you hear all the time. Like I, I would love it if we could talk more country on this podcast because yeah. people were doing cool things with it. Yeah, and and this certainly is an interesting album. Yeah, like the instrumentation's really cool. Like all of this, the pedal steel guitar he has on here is beautiful. And we we'd be remiss without mentioning his cover of In Bloom. Yes, yeah. There's a cover of In Bloom by Nirvana on here. The way that he reinvents this song to be about like, like fatherhood or like being a parent is he changes that last lyric to you don't know what it means to love someone which is not what Kurt Cobain sings also if you're going in as like sort of in the same boat as us where you don't love country or whatever he definitely sings like a country singer especially on without a doubt the third track between the lines without a doubt he does yeah I will say if you just like singer songwriter stuff and you're looking to like dip your toe in listen to the second track uh, Breakers Roar that one is you'll That'll kind of hook you. Um, so the other new release we had this week is another singer-songwriter, more in a straight-up folk um, way, though, is Kevin Morby. So this this got a Best New Music on Pitchfork this past week. And I will say, Jake, I've become a, a lot more skeptical of Pitchfork Best New Musics in, in the past couple weeks or months. Instead of being really excited for a Best New Music, I'm immediately like, is this really going to be a Best New Music, or are you just trying to make some sort of statement? Agreed. And I listened right when I saw it, but the reason was I looked, and I was like, oh, it's folk. It's nine songs. It's 43 minutes. It's right in my wheelhouse. I'm going to just bust this out. I ended up actually really liking it. Between the two albums, though, like, this gets Best New Music, Sturgill doesn't. I liked the Sturgill album more. Here's what I'll say about Kevin Morby. Um, Not only does this album sort of allude to Dylan in some ways it, it's Dude. some of it's very very indebted to him the song is it Ferris wheel where there's just a pu- a bunch of uh, lyrical allusions to his lyrics like what what is the lyric in that one it's like I, I don't remember off the top of my head hold my head and pray for rain which is from Maggie's farm um and there's another one in there too like literal just like like clear-cut references to Bob Dylan and he sings just like him in a lot of ways so yeah he he sings just like him it's it's singing about it's like that John Wesley Harding Nashville Skyline era where he kind of he had a voice change. What what was Dylan doing on those records that he had a different? Why not on Nashville Skyline? He started singing like well, like traditionally well. That's he, what he started on John Wesley Harding. Right. Yeah, and and he I guess had maybe perfected it by then. I don't know like what Dylan's deal is. He sings all kinds of different yeah, ways throughout his career. If you know that era of Dylan and that kind of style of singing, that's almost exactly what Kevin Morby sounds like. It's a good folk record. Um, he is singing kind of in the same vein of these like, just like out there broad kind of 
like fever dream topics. Just like, ab- like sort of abstract ab- lyricism. Yeah. Um, and cool guitar work on here. Some really cool guitar work. It's and I, I don't mean to undersell it by saying it it owes a lot to Dylan because it does. But I think anyone who's trying to do a modern folk album is going to. But there's just some definite allusions like that are really clear. Um, doesn't make it any less enjoyable to listen to. There's some interesting stuff going on here. I would I would recommend it if you like folk music at all or you like that era of Dylan. It's I good would stuff. I would too. And I I just have to say. That if you told me, Jake, a quarter or so of the way through the year, one of these weeks, the new release you're going to be most excited for is a country album over a folk album, like a straight, it's a really a country record. I would have been shocked and probably told you uh, that I, I don't believe that crock. I'm, I'm with you. That's what I would have said word for that, word, That Sean. crock. I don't believe that crock <laughs> is what I might have said. Uh, with that, let's move into our mailbag. I'm excited. Can you do the PTI mail time thing? I don't remember how it is. You said it before. You like, do. It's like, mail time. There you go. Yeah. So this is mail time. What's our first question, Jake? Our first question. And who's it from? It's from, so it, it's from Ian. Ian, who... Big friend of the pod. Huge friend of the pod. Big friend of the pod. He was on a couple weeks ago. We interviewed him. Can't be emphatic enough about how big a friend of the pod he is, and he appeared on episode 18 as Bruna Boyne, um, and and was our first live musical guest, which we really appreciated. His question was, or one of his couple of questions was, what is your dream festival lineup and location if time travel's allowed? So we can pull from... Anybody, anytime, any historical figure. This is a great question. It's difficult. And I think I you, think we should double team it, maybe. Yeah. I think you have to go with an artist who is dead. Like that that it has to be I, I feel like it has to be a lineup of of dead artists. Or like bands that have dead people who are never going to perform again. One of them for me has to be Led Zeppelin. Here's what you have. You have you have prime Led Zeppelin. You yep. have 1975. Three. Or they have physical graffiti in there. Is that when that came out? 73? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have, okay, they have. I want all okay. of their arsenal before they kind of started to slip. Yeah. I want John Bonham in the cut. Yeah. Um, and I just, I want them like at the height of their powers. I want the Beatles in this. I in think this. you have to. Just to be like, I saw the Beatles live. Dude, like, would you, here's a good question for you though. Would you rather see, um, Prime touring years Beatles sixty four through sixty six or rooftop concert Beatles, maybe but maybe they play more of their arsenal a little bit more of their their set list is expanded. I'm going rooftop rooftop Beatles. because you have more stuff and I yeah. feel like I I just think I'd like it more. My assumption too is that rooftop Beatles in a in this time travel like festival it'd be called like time travel festival or something like that. that'd be the name of the festival right. at time travel they would like. They'd play a pretty expensive set because they have modern technology. They can do this, some of the stuff they did on Revolver and stuff. Who Agreed. else would be there? Uh, I think you have to go Freddie Mercury and Queen. Yeah, I think you just have to mm-hmm. to see to to see the, the showman. Um, Maybe Elvis is is in there. Maybe he's on one of the stages too. It'd yeah, be cool to see Elvis. He's yeah. not necessarily one of my dream people, but it's like that's another one where it's like it'd be really cool to see Elvis play. It would. Um, the Who put on a legendary show too? That's true. They'd be a good one as well. Uh, and that would mean Keith Moon is right, and John Entwistle so are some, back from the dead. Right, you get some living, legendary, crazy drummers. What about someone like, uh, like a Tupac, or, uh-huh. or someone like that? It'd be like, cool. And like I've done very little exploring of his catalog, same. but it's still another thing where like you, if you have the chance to see Tupac live, non hologram, regular Tupac, living ho- Tupac, that'd be cool. You know what's one I would I would love? This would be on one of the smaller stages, actually. Uh, 
in early days white stripes. Yeah. Like a hungry yep. like elephants about to come out white stripes. Sure. And they're they're busting out ball and biscuit and you're like what is this? Yeah, and I think you on a similar stage you have like just post is this it the strokes playing. Yeah. Um, and like Julian Casablanca is rolling around the stage and like singing while laying down and they're like they're doing their like young hip New York sound. I feel like that's another one that would be cool. Here's another one that would be on a headliner stage is Nirvana. Yeah. Gotta have Nirvana on there. Yep. Got to. It's like 1990. It, it, you know what it could be? It's like just just if Kurt didn't die right then Nirvana. Yep. Say he like bounced back that era of Nirvana. I'm picturing all of these bands at their creative and expressive peaks mm-hmm. um, in this hypothetical uh, festival. So the second half of this question is, what's the ideal location? Yeah, so this keep is in mind, harder. time travel is also allowed on this one. I have one off the top of my head. That's good because I don't. I got it. I'm hear this. picking. It's basically like this fictional time travel Coachella lineup that we just talked about. Um, but instead of being at wherever Coachella is right now, which I think is California, we're 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 keeping it in California. But it's going to be at the Monterey Pop Festival. Ooh. Which I heard was I watched a documentary documentary on it back like whenever the 40th anniversary was, and apparently this was like better than Woodstock. It was like the Woodstock before Woodstock, yeah. and like Hendrix was there lighting his guitar on fire. I've, yep, like Jefferson Airplane, like all these people. From what I hear, it was actually a better experience. Hmm. I would put it in that context. Because the weather's going to be nice. You're in California. Like, I'm true enough. It in Monterey. And Woodstock became kind of a mud bath. It did. Um, geez, this is tough. I would just, I, all I would want is that it's in a nice place. And, like, you do want some history there. You know what I'd do? And I actually forget where this is, but I'd do it wherever Altamont was, the festival where um, that kid got killed by the Hells Angels, because we'd rewrite the history of Altamont. We'd make it nice. We'd have the Stones come back. They're on. The, they're yeah, on the set list too. They're on the bill rather, and uh, and they're gonna they're gonna play "Gimme Shelter," and no one's gonna get hurt during this. Um, I like that. Yeah, I like because Altamont has a a bad history. It does, and so we're gonna rewrite it with this festival. And this leads to another question. Yeah. So yeah, um, good good question, Ian. That was good. Yeah, thanks, Ian. Um, a related question uh, from Spencer Young, friend of the pod. He asks. Um, who in this year's Coachella lineup would you have been the most excited to see live this year? So this is a more restricted question. No fantasy involved in yep. looking at who performed at this year's Coachella. So there's, there's a lot. There's a lot of people. That's the nature of these of these large festivals. Yeah. So I think you need to keep in mind that you're going to a festival. Yeah. You're not going to a regular show or concert that's in a smaller, more intimate venue. So I'm looking at the set list right now. They have people like Beach House who are there. Beach House doesn't strike me as a good festival band to go see. What you want is something that you can like, just like jam out to with a bunch of different people who are probably on a bunch of different drugs. You yeah. want something more like upbeat. And that's, why, that's why these electronic artists are so popular at yeah. these. I'll tell you who I just saw in here who I'd love to see is Sheer Mag. Oh, yeah. They released their third EP this year. That was awesome. We're, I'm just looking at the online, like the list of people who came. Sheer Young, Mag would be a great one. Young Fathers is a cool act that played there. Sufjan would be cool to see. Run the Jewels must have been a cool um, performance. Let me ask you this. Would yeah. you be excited about seeing Guns N' Roses play? Not really. I wouldn't either. No, it wouldn't excite me because I'm not into their catalog. I haven't really explored it that much, and I just am not uh, very much a pro Axl Rose person. Um, uh, yeah, Run the Jewels would be awesome. 
Uh, I see Death Crips on here. They'd be cool to see. There'd be so, that I think would be the perfect example of a live show that you enjoy so much more than their actual music. Absolutely, yeah. That it would be a lot of fun. I gotta think churches would be a good time. Churches would be good. That'd be a good one where it's like huge choruses, big pop music sounds. It's got like some yeah. good electronic beats and stuff that yeah. people would be vibing to. That'd be a pretty good one. You know who else would be fun is Matt and Kim. Can you imagine Daylight being played that'd for be, like awesome. 10,000 people? That'd be that'd be pretty amazing. How about this one, Jake? Kamasi Washington. That's what I just saw. Kamasi Washington. That would be really interesting. This. Like, I don't know if it'd be like a great festival thing. That's something I think you want for like a, a Newport Jazz Festival. Well, yeah, well right. Not, not in this mentality of I'm at Coachella. Like, I don't know if I would want to go spend... Yeah. Time going to see a, a a jazz artist. I mean, who knows though? Maybe he puts on a, a like an insane show. Maybe he like That's, steps yeah. up to the Coachella plate, so to speak. Um, so those are the ones that immediately jump out at me. Uh, yeah, those in the, looking at the list. So let me ask you this: Just what do you think of this lineup in general? I, I don't think it's great. I think like, it's, not, like, it's at least pretty strong. There's it's it's there's a a lower ratio of great to bands I'm not that excited to see than I'd hope for. But there's enough here to sustain me through a festival, I'd say. Yeah, yes. Depending there, on there how are. they're staggered um, through the days. Like LCD sound systems here, right? I think. Yes, yeah. yeah. LCD like, see, is in there. I think they, Guns N' Roses and LCD are the headliners, if I'm not mistaken. No, you're probably right, yeah. Those don't interest me terribly. Yeah, I'd love to see LCD, but Guns N' Roses, I would honestly probably skip. Really? I'd skip to go see something else. So, I, I don't know. Uh, it looks like I think there's a decent amount in here. I, did I see Vince Staples? Yeah, yeah. Vince Staples would be yeah. probably cool. Um, yeah, lots to see here. And yeah. I think, like I said, Sufjan that would be pretty yeah, interesting. Well, be a good it's one. not maybe Although, that fun. Maybe he plays some Age of Odd stuff though. Yeah, I was gonna say like especially his new record doesn't lend itself to like a festival stage. You know what I could see happening? Because what ends up happening is uh, they put you on a stage. You're playing. They have another stage close by. I could see Sufjan during some acoustic stuff being drowned out by like yeah. fucking Zed, yeah, or, or like Calvin Harris, or run, <laughs> run the jewels, or or any of those, yeah, yeah. right, Cal yeah, Calvin Harris, something just yeah. loud and just abrasive electronic. And you're trying to and listen. Sufjan's trying to sing Fourth uh, of July, yeah, or this is a heartbreaking yeah, song, right. and you're like blue bucket of gold. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and I think getting... that's the problem with these with these massive festivals. Yeah, like, well, and, and you got to be smart about how you're you're placing these these artists and what time they're going on. One in fairness, I've never been to Coachella, so I don't really know oh, what no. the situation no. is. No, I um, haven't either. Maybe next year we get press pass. Maybe we have that kind of that, that kind of clout. Yeah. I like that. Uh, so here's a quick one from Trey, big friend of the pod, huge friend. Uh, he, he's asking our thoughts on Dave Matthews Band. Just a simple one-off question, which I appreciate. Closed ended. So Dave Matthews Band for me, um, I know they get a lot of shit in general. My sister used to listen to them all the time when we were still getting rides from our mom to school. So I heard like. A decent amount of their songs. I liked some of those songs. I just have never really gotten into them. I don't have a problem with Dave Matthews' band. Wow. this is I just, just don't really have an opinion. I don't either. This is great because Dave Matthews, so I'm in the same boat. Like, I'm not in love with Dave Matthews. I, I can... But he has a lot of good songs. Like, he gets so much shit critically. People dump on Dave Matthews so hard. He has a bunch of really cool songs. Like, I love Ants Marching. I like that song, um, Where Are You Going? I like those songs. Like, they're good. And so Mary-Kate, friend of the pod. Big friend of the pod. Question coming up. My girlfriend, she's a big Dave Matthews fan from growing up. Her sisters were into it. She got into it. 
Um, and we we went uh, one year for her birthday, got her tickets to go see Dave Matthews, and it was fun. You really should see Dave Matthews live. It's like just it's really about going and like partying and like having fun at a Dave Matthews show. Yep. It's kind of like festival atmosphere yeah. from what I get. Yeah, that's and I think that's kind of the vibe with them is like I I worked with someone who goes to Dave Matthews every year whenever they come around. And I'm like, oh, you're a big Dave Matthews fan. He's like, no, not really. It's more of just like all my friends go. It's more of just like a tailgating experience. And I think it's the the music is secondary in the, in that context. And so is he going to be someone who appeals to our um, idea of what music is, which is like loving albums and like looking for people who are putting out very, very interesting statements of art in that medium, not necessarily. Like, so, no, I don't listen to Dave Matthews a lot, but but I'm not going to I'm not gonna shit on him on this podcast. No, I actually, like, if a song came on, I'd be like, okay, sure. Yeah, I can this get is down fine. With some Dave. Yeah. I actually can. Yeah. Uh, so our next question comes from a few different people, so a lot of people had the same idea here. So Jacob Gallagher, Molly, Mc, Molly McGee, and Kevin Kelly, all big friends of the pod. Big friends. Big friends. Uh, they ask about... Best movie and TV soundtracks. Um, so Jake and I had actually been talking already about doing an entire episode dedi- dedicated to kind of the more popular culture side of music and discussing music soundtracks, songs used in the context of movies, and kind of best musical moments from that. And all this did was further uh, verify for us that there's a wa- there's a desire out there, there's a thirst for a podcast about movies and TV with music. So we're going to do a full one, but we wanted to highlight a couple quick ones. So for me, my two favorite all-time soundtracks are Garden State, which introduced the world to The Shins for the most part. Like, a lot of people found out about The Shins through that movie. New Slang and Caring is Creepy were on that. Um, and then Train Spotting as well. Train Spotting was actually my first foyer into kind of like 80s... I don't know how you describe it. Like... Like the Lou Reeds and like those people, like New Order and like people like that. Yeah, I didn't totally get it then, and like the like Iggy Pop and like people like that. I didn't totally get it. I didn't know what it was all about. But I was like, yeah, I like some of these songs. And like now, as I'm a little bit older, I can be, I can go back and like, I I have a bit of a history with them because of this movie. Let me ask you this: Is "Perfect Day" by Lou Reed in Train Spot? It is. Okay, that, that song's song, amazing. That song is incredible. Um. And and I think I maybe heard it for the first time in that movie as well. There's actually a really cool scene in that movie where Renton, who's played by Ewan McGregor, is talking to to Sick Boy, and they're talking about how all like solo work by artists is is shit, and they say it in like their Scottish accent, so they say it like shite, shite. Um, and they actually end up talking about Bowie a little bit Interesting. after after like yeah like post. Um, like Ziggy era. Oh, interesting. And they That's actually when he did a lot of his coolest stuff in my opinion. Yeah. So they like yeah, they mentioned um Lou Reed, Bowie, like some of those people. Which I don't agree with that sentiment from from Sick Boy, but it's a cool conversation to have in the movie. I'm glad you don't agree with this like nineties like <laughs> heroin Scottish movie. junkie. Yeah. Um Scottish junkies are the least trustworthy junkies <laughs> out there, Sean. Yep. Let let that be a lesson Except to for you. Manchester junkies. So I had a couple I wanted to highlight, and this one is totally like cheating, but dude, School of Rock. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like basically che- just a classic rock album. Medley. There's yeah. there's so much good stuff on it, and like as a kid, I got really excited every time I'd watch to like hear the different songs that were coming up. You got Immigrant Song in here, which is big because yep. Zeppelin were 
dicks about uh, licensing songs to yep. movies and stuff. I guess it was a whole ordeal to get them to uh, allow the producers to use Immigrant Song in there. Um, so yeah, School of Rock, there's a lot of classics in there. Um, and we can't forget the original songs from School of Rock. Um, the uh, Heartsick. Heartsick yes. by, by No Vacancy. Yes, I love it. Better than the song they ended up playing at the end of the movie, maybe they would have won the Battle of the Bands had they played... Um, the Jack Black's original song. Right, and the sneaky cool thing about that movie is that the kids lose. This Battle of the Bands to this douchebag band, No Vacancy, who do, you know what, Heart Sick is a top ten song of all time yeah. for me. Um, I'm hungry at A minor G. <laughs> but, but uh, anyway, School of Rock, classic. Um, the kids come up just short. You know, interesting side note about that. They they seem to, they held a Battle of the Bands um, in the middle of the day. On a weekday. During a weekday, sold out. Why can't we have that kind of music scene here? That thriving music scene? <laughs> because that doesn't exist. And, and it's a plot be, hole. It's a plot it's hole. absolutely insane. The yeah. kids, if you recall, Sean, the kids steal a bus. <laughs> and Jack Black, his reaction is he looks out the window and he's like, that's so punk rock. And it's like, dude, you are a caricature and wildly irresponsible. Yes. Not only did you impersonate a teacher, you're now allowing these kids to like drive a, a hijacked bus and you to this midweek daytime uh, uh, battle of the bands with Spider there, and Spider's gonna hit on Miss Mullen. Yeah, come on, Jack I love, Black. I love. We could do a whole pod about School Rock. I think we should at some point. Uh, I love Spider's tattoo on his chest that just says "sex." <laughs> just all it says is "sex." We gotta move on. Yeah, we gotta move on. There's a couple on. other movies. So a full School of Rock pod is coming. It's in the works. Yeah, um, that's gonna be like a special edition episode. That won't be part of like the the canon. That'll be like an extra kind yeah. of bonus episode. Yeah, you might have to be on a certain team. Premium team, to, maybe. To Big a, shout. A premium team, perhaps. Uh, so, um, the Social Network uh, is one that came to mind immediately. Trent. Resnor and Atticus Ross, I think are their names, um, who put together the soundtrack for that movie, which is an awesome movie. I'd recommend it to anyone. The best way to explain it is it's kind of this like driving uh, electronic soundtrack. Another one I wanted to highlight real quick is a movie I saw last year, a horror movie, which is outside of my usual wheelhouse. I'm not a big horror movie fan, but this is one that did interesting things. Um, it follows. Really, really cool movie. Even better soundtrack by this electronic producer who goes by the name of Disaster Peace. Mm. Disaster Peace spelled P-E-A-C-E. -E. Um, it's this really bright sounding sort of shimmering synth stuff that gave the movie. It was a really eerie feel, um, and there's some it, there's some legitimately awesome like synth riffs in this mm. movie. Sean, you should watch it just for the music. I should, and it's actually it's a good horror movie. I, I heard it got decent reviews. Got so. very good reviews. Yeah. Would I have been there, Sean, if it hadn't? I'm a slave to reviews. A slave to reviews. You want um, to take the next one? Yeah, related to the uh, what Jacob, Molly, and Kevin asked us, we got um, a question from Mary Kate. Big, big friend, friend of the, of the pod. pod. Um, and she said, what is your all-time favorite song from a movie? And she gave examples. She said, like, Bohemian Rhapsody and Wayne's World, Circle of Life from Lion King. Which I will add uh, an addendum and say you'll be in my heart in Tarzan is another one that's <laughs> that's close to my heart, Sean. Uh, and then songs from Monty Python. Uh, I'm gonna steal one of hers because it's one of mine. Uh, and she mentioned El Condor Pasa being used in the movie Wild, 
with Reese Witherspoon. If you haven't seen this movie, first of all, see it. It's like an awesome. Go see it. It's, it's a woman meets a woman meets wild, literally movie. She does the um, Pacific was, Coast Trail. Yeah, the PCT. She hikes it, um, and it, it dives into her like heroin addiction problems or whatever drug she was doing, and like her her erratic past with men and like. Anyways, it's really good, and this song and Simon and Garfunkel in general, Homeward Bound is another one, mm-hmm. play like a an integral part in the movie. They're like definitely they tie sort of themes up, and uh, this this song plays in the credits. If you've ever listened to Bridge Over Troubled Water, this is the second track. It, it, yeah, this El Condor Passa is kind of like a, a musical theme that gets revisited throughout, which I love. Yeah, this is actually a really a really great example. Um, this is actually a really good question. I. Trying to think off the top of my head because there's so many, there's too there's many, so many good examples. I I am going to say one off the top of my head that's going to double as another good soundtrack. Any Simon and Garfunkel song from The Graduate. Oh, I haven't seen The Graduate. Yep, yep. worth worth seeing. It. So you pick any song because I think they have. Obviously, they have Mrs. Robinson on there. They have April Come She Will. Um, they have a few other songs that ended up on Parsley Sage Rosemary in, in Time. So. Any song from that is my pick. And just uh, to put Mary-Kate on blast, I hope I'm using that phrase right, she put in parentheses in her text to me, said uh, her favorite song from a movie is Good Morning from Singing in the Rain. Singing in the Rain's a great movie. I've I saw that it. in a film class in high school. I usually don't like musicals. Singing in the Rain was awesome. Yeah? Really good. I, I gotta check it really, out. Really, really good. I gotta check it out. Um, Next mailbag question. Let me, wait, let's sift it out and get the letter open. That's right, ready. open it up. Hold on. Mail time. Okay. We have here, let me put on my specs. <laughs> really, really selling this. From uh, from Jacob, another from Jacob Gallagher. Big friend of the pod. Big friend of the pod. He, he asks, he says, Sean and Jake, long-time listener, first-time caller, uh, which is a, a misnomer because he's not calling. What are your favorite, I'm wondering, what are your favorite best debut albums by any artist? Sincerely, Jacob. Great question. Well written letter too, and some nice personalized letterhead. And 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 good name, Jacob. Yeah, I share um, it with you. Best debut albums for me. Easy one is is this it by the Strokes. Yep. That's um, that's it's like the gold standard as well as Fleet Foxes self titled Fleet Foxes. Whatever people say, I'm that's what I'm not by Arctic Monkeys. The Doors by the Doors. Led Zeppelin one by Led Zeppelin. Um, you could say College Dropout by Kanye. A lot yep. of people would throw that, that in there. Yep. Um, Notorious B.I.G.'s first big album. What was it called again? Ready to Die. I think that's his first album. Um, I'm trying to think of like the... Vampire Weekend's first album. Yeah, Vampire Weekend. There's a ton of great debuts. There's something that, special. That could be a podcast by itself, too. Maybe, they really Maybe could. we uh, we recycle that question and we do a full full episode about it. We should do a full podcast because there's a lot to discuss about be- good uh, debuts. Yeah. It, there's a, it's a special kind of album, a great debut, because you're catching a band like just in this early phase, like they're the, sort of the pure form of themselves before anything is cast upon them in terms of critical acclaim or what fans want. And, and when bands really crush it out of the gate, it's a really interesting thing. There's an interesting idea, too, that for debut albums, this artist had their entire lives leading up to this to perfect and work on a debut. And then as soon as that's done, the same expectations are put on the follow-up in way less amount of and time. They, and they have, like, what, three years to do it? Yeah. And, like, under constant pressure, yep. probably touring yep. the whole time. Is Funeral by Arcade Fire a debut it album? Is. It Another, is. Just, uh, yep. a, 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 again. There's, this is going to be a full pod. This is. This is a good, very good question, Jacob. Thanks for the letter. 
Uh, next question from Kevin Kelly, big friend of the pod. Big friend of the pod. Have you ever? I like this question. Have you ever walked into a record store and just randomly bought a CD or a record from a band you've never heard of? If so, what are your experience with that? If not, he recommends we give it a try. So my answer to this, and I thought about it all day, is honestly no. And I wish I could say it, it, that my answer were yes, but but I think Kevin, you probably know this. I'm less fun than that. I do like research. I usually, and the, the problem is, is like now I spend a lot of my time thinking about music. So it's not like super likely I'd go into a record store and like find someone I haven't heard of ever and bought something. I, I try to think of even an example of this. I, I can say for myself, I have never done that. And it, I'm similar to you, Jake, where when I buy anything, I do a ton of research beforehand. Yeah. And back in the days when. I was buying CDs rather than just streaming everything. I would do a ton of research beforehand because A, I had limited money to be able to spend, and B, I wanted to make sure the money that I did spend would be going towards something that I like at least heard was was good. So it was almost it it, it was always from someone that I had heard of before or done research about before. And I, it's the same for me, and I think that that's not the fun answer, but it's the true answer. But no. here's something I think I think Kevin has given us an idea for another podcast. I think what we should do, Sean. We should have a podcast that it, we can start it whenever. We should both go to like Newbury Comics or something, buy a CD just on the cover, like just alone, Ooh, something like we've that. never heard of, and yeah. then review it on the podcast. That'd be cool. Say what it is and like talk about it. That'd like be just cool. find one that where we like the cover. Because like Kevin, you've you've inspired me to be Let's a little bit more. Is this kind of like how loving. you said you were going to listen to the new Macklemore album and never did? Is, that, it, is it like that promise? I'm or? giving myself till the end of the year. You're going to break Kevin's heart, okay? Kev, I don't think Kevin Poor was Kevin. particularly invested. <laughs> <laughs> in Macklemore, though he did bring it up to me. Uh, next question, Carrie Horan, big friend of the pod. He asks, what are our thoughts on getting a new Vampire Weekend album this year, since it would follow their every three-year pattern of coming out with new albums? Um, I think there's a 70% chance we get one. I think this is going to be one that actually slips over into 2017, because um, Rostam, who we've talked about before on the podcast, an integral part of the band, has left to do solo work. And while Ezra Koenig did say they were working on new material, I just don't know if it's going to be done in time to be in 2016. But I do know we have one coming. It'll probably be out within a year. That's a good thorough answer. I did a little bit of research in uh, in answering this question or in trying to, and it and it seems like there was some stuff written about this in like January, February. It's mostly around Rostam leaving the band, but it seems that the that the band, the remaining members, uh, Ezra and the two Chris's, mm -hmm. they're um, they're like getting to the point where they're working on it, and they're saying stuff that bands say. Where you can just tell you're like they, it's basically like best case scenario this comes out this year. Worst case it comes out like late next year, and I feel like we're in that situation where it's not coming this so year. So actually, let's change that from seventy percent to like twenty percent chance it comes this year. Because what it was saying was like one of the guys I think is Chris Bayo is the bass player, and he was saying like I think he said like they hadn't even really recorded anything mm. yet. They like they are looking forward to getting started mm. on it. Yeah. Okay. It sounds like it's far off. In so. a follow up tweet, Carrie asked about New Frank Ocean. Which, dude, I have no idea. Your, your guess, Carrie, is as good as mine. This is becoming the Guns N' Roses Chinese democracy of the R&B world. This is becoming the Dr. Dre... Um, What's that album called? <sighs> Detox. Ah. It's becoming Detox of the R&B world. Are we ever going to get new Frank Ocean? I don't know, man. I mean, it's been now... It'll be four years this year, and, and believe me, I'd like to be able to say, like, 
there, there's something out there leading me to believe Frank's coming out with new material this year, but I don't know. The pop punk version of this is a new Japan Droids record. I don't know if we're ever going to get a new Japan Droids album. Uh, and it's like almost more incredible if you don't I in get, some ways. Like it's like a Sex as, Pistols album. You as know what much I mean? like, as I would love a new Japan Droids album and to see them like play shows again, I almost want them to leave it at the two albums yeah. just because they're so good. And it would like create this like buzz and legend about them. It'd be really really yeah. cool. Well, so so the the short answer is to Carrie's question with Vampire Weekend and Frank. Not really sure. We don't have any kind of intel, but I think it, the prospects look better for for Vampire Weekend than with Frank. Yeah. Moving on to uh, a few questions. How are we doing on time? Uh, I'm not sure. The, the the Garage Band. I don't have like a. We got quite a few so uh, questions left. We'll, we'll we'll bust through them. All right, we'll get through them. Um, so my brother, Matt DeShoutonier, big friend of the pod, he tweets, what are our thoughts on musical theater, uh, general thoughts and experiences? Um, and so my favorite, uh, what? What are you laughing at? I have an answer. That's, that's Go it. ahead. Give your answer. I'm a big Pirates of Penzance guy, Jake. <laughs> have you actually <laughs> seen Pirates of Penzance? Or do you just want to say the name? I just wanted to say the name. Okay. It's a funny name. That's my answer. I'm sticking to it. That's your answer. Pirates of Penzance. Okay. It's a nice alliteration. My So my brother, who tweeted this in, was recently in a production at his school of Chicago in which he played the character Amos. I had never seen Chicago, either on film or on stage. It's actually really, really awesome and really funny. Um, there's this scene where this like, shady lawyer has reporters literally singing his tune. Like He's like working them like like puppets it's actually there's chicago has some funny things to say also les miserables has some uh you know obviously beautiful songs in it so i'm not like i've never been way into musical theater but more and more i'm like actually finding that i enjoy it like i always had this thing like when i was a kid like oh it's it's lame or whatever like i, I couldn't get into it it's not really the case mm. there's actually some really interesting things going on in, in that realm yeah i'm a pirates of penzance purist jake so yeah. i kind of don't stray from those borders Right, yeah, that's a. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you had that take ready to go. The Pirates of Penzance, purist. My brother also asks, who are some of the best rappers in the game right now? I put Kanye with a question mark in response to this because after Life of Pablo, are we so sure he is? I don't think from a rapping perspective, Kanye's one of the best. I think he's one of the best curators of talent. He's one of the best producers. He's one of the best overall artists. Yeah. I don't think he's just pound for pound rapper. I don't think he's one of the best. He's at least like an 8 out of 10 rapper at his yeah. best. Yeah, but I like I think someone like Kendrick Lamar is a better rapper. I think Kendrick you have Lamar to put is, him at number one right Kendrick now. Lamar is the best rapper. King Kendrick. So in no particular order, I'm going to just rattle off some that I thought of. Um, Earl Sweatshirt, Drake. I also love Open Mike Eagle. I like Milo. I like some stuff ASAP Rocky has done. Pusha T does some interesting things. That's just sort of a free-flowing list. Of I would put in uh, Killer Mike and yeah, oh. LP. Run the Jewels. How could I forget? Yeah. Yep. How could I forget? Yep. One of my favorite records of a couple years ago. Yep. Um, moving on, Matt asks, what are some of the most influential songs of the last 20 years? Now, I had an interesting realization, Sean, as I read this question, as I, as I opened up the letter, opened Matt's notebook paper and read his letter. Uh, I realized 20 years is since 1996. Oh, In my God. mind, I was like, oh, so since the 90s. It was like, okay, so you got like Smells Like Teen Spirit. Not the case, dude. 1996. Yep. Um, and I thought of like, you know, Wake Up by Arcade Fire, Paranoid Android. What are some others? Um, this, is a, this is a good question because I think 
what ends up happening is when you look back 20 years, you get a lot more rap, hip hop, and R&B that you can draw on to answer this question rather than just straight ahead rock music like you probably would have if it was 1990. I would have thought the same thing, actually. I, 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 I do it in the tens. Yeah. So, I, yeah, that's scary. Um, but, yeah, so I think songs... You know, you you look to Kanye. You know, Jesus Walks is still you know wrapped about now. I made Jesus Walks. I'm never going to hell. Yep. That kind of thing. So it's I think it's referenced. Yeah. So I think something like that. There is, does seem to be this thing that I don't think we can pretend to understand. Where like when Kanye came out, it was this sort of big moment in yeah. the rap community. I feel like people really felt that. Which um, yeah, we're, we can't totally relate to. But I think if, I was 12 and white and in New Hampshire. So uh, yeah, and I think another good example is a song like Crazy in Love by. By Queen Bay, yeah, Beyonce. Absolutely, uh, I, that song was huge when it came out, though. Yeah, absolutely. Huge. That's the whole thing, and it's like I when I was thinking about this, it's like you have to almost put in bold, influential, rather than like my favorites. Some of these aren't like my favorites of the last twenty years, but I think so. And in the rock realm, like I said, you got "Wake Up" by Arcade Fire, um, which was that anthemic indie breakthrough. Uh, Paranoid Android, Radiohead, Last Night by The Strokes, maybe, or one of those songs, maybe Seven Nation Army by a White Stripes. Mm -hmm. um, I think in, in the rock world, it's some of those songs. Um, so I think we should skip these next questions because they're awfully big. They were questions from my brother and from Josh, both big friends of the pod, asking where rock is going, who's leading the way and stuff. To me, it's a big question. I don't know if we have time to tackle it. Yeah, I don't know. I think this is probably one that's best served for a full episode. I want to do it justice. These are great questions. Yeah. And I think they're relevant questions, especially... And in a mailbag-like set setting, where we're just opening these letters right here. That's right, yeah. I mean, how how are we to... That's right. You we know, pile of letters. Do it justice. That's right. We'll, it, we'll, we'll talk about this in a future episode of, like, maybe after... Because May is a big month for rock music in general. We get a lot of big records coming out. Maybe we talk about those albums in the context of where rock is heading or for a more thorough answer that we actually already have out there we did a best rock albums of the 2010s podcast that's my jordan flu game if you want to hear some oh. some of of me playing through utter sickness and like taking the next day off from work because i was so sick pop that one on we talked about uh like i think 15 of the best re uh, rock records of the last uh five years so he, he dug deep in that one i did i had to gutsy gritty performance i had to dig into my reserves for yep. that and so that transitions into some of josh gregoire's huge friend of the pod questions sean what's what was josh's first question so he talked about the death of rock music and if that is accurate or an exaggeration this kind of ties in with yep. that previous question yeah, I'm, I'm saving my answer for when we yeah. dive in more. I say I, with, it's a great question. With those big overarching rock music questions, we respectfully uh, pass on them for now. I, I, I like this question because this is something that goes back to what we talked about last week. So Josh asks, uh, Sean's it. most controversial view of music is about pavement. I think they're overrated. Jake and I had a debate about that last week. So Jake, what do you think is your most controversial music view? And, uh, and Josh, this is an excellent question, and it made me, I had to really think, I had to look at myself, I had to get a literal mirror, and look hard in the mirror and say, you know, what, it, what is the answer to this question? That is not an easy thing for him to do, he has a face made for podcasting, so I will just kind of put an asterisk there. Yikes. Continue. So no need to, you're going to make me cry during the episode. <laughs> you're huh? making me cry already with your face. Continue. Holy crap. Okay, so, um, I think, number one, no pun intended is that 
I think, and I listened today to the album that this is on, and in context it's good, but I think the song One by U2 is very, very overrated. Sean, I need your defense. I disagree, and I can see why you th- you think this, though. When I was, like, 15, when I first, like, listened to this album and heard this song, I was like, oh, One is supposed to be, like, a great song. And I put it on, I was like, yeah, it's good, I don't really get it, why is it so good? The reason why it's so good is because it's so understated. This is a song that's not like a lot of other U2 songs. Usually they have, like, these really big, like, With or Without You, like, Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. You're used to these more anthemic, grandiose songs. And then you get something like One, which is, like, kind of more laid back and subdued. And it's an interesting topic because there's been speculation about what it's really about if it's about, um, like, a, a, a son coming out to his father that he's gay, or I've heard it's also about, like, AIDS, or, like, being diagnosed with AIDS. There's a lot of different, like, theories well, on what this is about. I, I think you expect something with this song and with U2 that you don't necessarily get, and that's actually why I like it, because it's so different than a lot of the other stuff U2 does. And it's just, like, I think, obviously, the lyrical themes that are there are, are interesting, like anything Bono's going to be doing. I just, like... From a, a strictly like a songwriting point of view, a melodic point of view, um, not even just in the realm of like what U2 does. I just mean as a great rock song. Um, I don't really totally get it. I don't understand why people think it stands up as this like amazing anthem. I I, I don't know, man. I like so many U2 songs better. And I there's just... It's funny because that one is one of my favorite U2 songs. Oh, it's and, just... Like, I mean, yeah, they have other great songs, but one is definitely up there. It's fine. To me, it's a little bit like aimless. I don't know. Like, there's... It's like there's... And I, I guess that's part of what's cool about it. And I can see why people like it. It just doesn't totally do it for me. I, I would recommend just continue listening to it. It did take me a bit of time to well, come dude, around I on mean, it. I've, heard, I've heard one a thousand times. Okay. Maybe, and I, yeah. listened, I listened like twice, three times today just so I could even talk about it. Yeah. And I guess yeah. what it is is it's like, I don't know, it's just so, it's really simple. And I don't think like what, I listen to the lyrics, I don't think what he's doing is so next level that I, I have to love it lyrically. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. Understand. A couple other quick ones to answer Josh's question. Uh, what used to be my go-to to this to this question was Bruce Springsteen. I used to say didn't really like him. That changed this year. Um, got into a few Bruce Springsteen albums, uh, but I felt like for old time's sake, I had to throw in mm-hmm. a Bruce Springsteen is overrated, which I actually don't believe anymore. Um, here's a here's here's one that is kind of I think a little more hot. Uh, the Suburbs, which by Arcade Fire, uh, which we had on our best albums of the 2010s list, and I ranked highly. I r- think it's great. I don't like it as much as it seems everyone else seems to to like it. Yeah. I, and I don't have, like, I guess a really rational, yeah, great thought I, reason. I, I'm a big suburbs guy. Are you just not, like, an arcade fire person as much? I, I feel like you're not. Uh, I guess it's a... I really love Funeral. Yeah. Um, and... But Neon Bible. I didn't, I didn't listen to Neon Bible. Okay. That... Okay. Yeah, and, like, so okay. with suburbs, it's like, I really enjoy it. But and I, I I get what they're doing is like this big sweeping concept album and everything, um, and I love a lot of the songs. I guess you have to listen to Neon Bible. I, I know I, that's like unacceptable. Yeah, no, I hear borderline you. unacceptable. No, I hear you. Hey, I, I that's don't... Jake's biggest controversial thing is he's never listened to Neon Bible. Well, no, that would be a confession. I thought there's two different ways uh, you can right. take this question. Yeah. They're like, what's Jake's biggest music confession? And that's not even top ten. 
Um, Tell you what, we'll answer that question next week. Sure, but but my point with with the suburbs is like I get it, it's great. Um, I don't really I seem to love it as much as everyone else does, which uh, to me is a similar in a similar vein to Sean with Pavement. Yep, uh, we got another question. Favorite guitar solo. We're gonna skip this one though because we're doing a favorite guitar solos podcast. We've already planned that out. Good question. Uh, most anticipated album of the year for 2016. This is a good question. What do you got, Jake? Mine's Radiohead. And 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 what Josh said is he put in a disclaimer that says modern baseball not included. Um, so for me, it's it's the new Radiohead. Okay, album. then that's my answer as well. Radiohead. If, if modern baseball is not included. Yeah, Hotel Year is up there too. Oh uh, yeah, I was gonna say Hotel Year is another one. Um, this is so. I mean, I think we're like legally obligated to talk about modern baseball in almost every blog or podcast that we do. Uh, so favorite modern baseball songs by Jake. And this is a continuation of, of Josh's questions. By Jake and Bren. So favorite Bren song, what do you got? Uh, it's got to be your graduation. I mean, I feel it's like that's well. a basic bitch answer, but it's just, it's it's just the well. truth. Favorite Jake song? You go first. Uh, Tears Over Beers. That's I think my those are, too. Yeah, I think those are the two easy ones to go with. And it's kind of lame that that's what we came up with, but yep. it's the truth. So I like this next question. Um, current favorite artist. So this is, I know yours is the Beatles, well, as as an all-time. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, listen to the Beatles pod for, for some background on that. There you go. Uh, but who is your favorite artist who is currently working now? Oh, man. Do you have a go-to? I mean, I, I say the National, but, like, they haven't come out with a record in three years. I know they are, like, touring and working on new stuff. I don't know yeah, if that counts. They're an active band, sure. I mean, if we're talking about just, like, who this past couple months is my favorite, it's Modern Baseball. Oh, well, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily read it as just in the past couple months. Who's your but if favorite it, But I'm, I'm kind of modifying it. Like, if it is just the past couple months, it's Modern Baseball. Well, who's your favorite artist? The National. Okay. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's it's the Beatles is number one forever. The ones that are up there, Modern Baseball's been up there for me too. Pine Grove has been up there for me in terms of like bands doing stuff lately. Other bands that always jump out for me for favorite contemporary artists, uh, Radiohead's always up there. Mm-hmm. The National's always up there. Um, Arctic Monkeys always up there when they when they release new stuff. A mm-hmm. um, little bit more legacy acts with those. Yeah, uh, but. Uh, and favorites then nonetheless. Josh, <clears throat> excuse me, ends up uh, capping this off with a question of, will you be uploading playlists to Spotify? Great question, Josh, because we do have it on Spotify. All you need to do is search for the Listen In Podcast playlist, and you will have a full playlist of the best album closers of all time uh, based on our last podcast. So go and ahead and check that out. There's like 75 tracks on there. And we usually update this with each episode. We probably won't for this one. We'll leave the closers up for another week, but maybe with the next one, what we try to do with that pod, uh, with that playlist is um, highlight um, some of the songs we talked about mm-hmm. on each episode. Mm-hmm. Um, moving into our last friend of the pod mailer. Big friend of the pod. Tyler Hurst. Big um, friend. One of our, our earliest supporters. Who He's always on there commenting yep, on, yep. On, we on SoundCloud, which Big we appreciate. Big shout to the Preem team. Big shout. Um... His question was, what are some of the best unexpected collaborations you can think of? And so this one I had a hard time with. He pointed out, like, Imagine Dragons with Kendrick. You could also say, um, was did Kendrick do stuff with Taylor Swift? Yeah. Um, yeah. You got yeah. Jay-Z and Linkin Park. He said Brad Paisley and LL Cool J. 
One that I thought of right off the bat is Robert Plant and Alison Krauss, yeah. um, who released that album Raising Sand back mm-hmm. in like 2008. Um, the song Gone, Gone, Gone uh, is awesome. There's some. It's like this cool go-go 60s hit. It's probably the poppiest thing Robert Plant's ever put his name on, and it's awesome. His harmonies with Alison Krauss are incredible. Tyler Stolmine. It's Jay-Z and Linkin Park. Yeah. Numb slash encore. What are you going to do? <laughs> All-time amazing song. I love it. It's like one of those songs where you put it on and it's like funny because it's Linkin Park and Jay-Z, but it's also a great song. Yeah. And it just, it brings everyone together. It, it really, really does. And and I I agree. I never listened to that whole collaboration album, did you, Sean? The whole Linkin Park? Oh, no, no, no. Jay-Z I never, no, I never album? did. <laughs> I never did. Maybe that's our homework. Maybe, maybe we do a Jay-Z Linkin Park podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple others that jumped to mind. Um, it's not necessarily unlikely, but I always like the story of John Lennon and David Bowie collaborating on Fame. One of like it's probably one of Bowie's most popular hits. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really awesome song. Mm-hmm. Um, and another is Dallas Green of City and Color collaborating with Pink, which I did not listen to. Didn't know they did that. Yeah, they I did. No they idea. had a whole album together. Wow. Um, so that's pop star Pink, who sang in 2001 in that NBA commercial, but it was also a big hit. That song "I'm Coming Up," so you better get yes. the party started. Yes, um, collaborating with the. Uh, the Grand Optimist. Yeah, that's of, interesting. Of that's an color. interesting combo, right Very. there. Very. Well, he has some of like rootsy sort of country, yeah. of which she, you wouldn't think she does, but I guess they did some harmonies and stuff. Again, never listened to the album. Mm. Uh, that's but, awesome. But it's an, it's definitely an unlikely collaboration. Yeah. Uh, so that wraps up this week's mailbag episode, episode twenty. This was a fun one. This was a good one. We're, let's try and do this maybe like every five to ten episodes. Well, what I think we could do is. People can send questions in all the time. Yeah. We can do mini mailbags. Yeah, like or, we, or we'll just kind of stockpile them, and when we have enough, we can do one. We can either stockpile or, like, occasionally on an episode, we'll be like, oh, we got a great yeah. tweet from one friend of the pod. Let's do it. Let's answer yeah. a question. Yeah, so um, keep, keep sending your questions in. Definitely. We appreciate it. And uh, to, just to reiterate what Sean said at the top of the podcast, please consider subscribing to the Listening Podcast on iTunes, following it on Stitcher. Um, or giving us a follow on SoundCloud. And if you use iTunes, please, please consider giving us a review. Yes. Um, Even if it's just an out of five stars rating, um, a written review would be great, but we'll we'll take just the rating. And, and, you know, we're a small podcast. We're trying our best to get our bearings, and we're having fun doing it, but but any support you can uh, provide is is greatly appreciated. Absolutely. Uh, So until next week, see ya. Thanks, everybody. As I was driving over here, yep. I saw a bump uh, license plate that I thought you'd appreciate. Yep. The license plate was in the cut. Yes. <laughs> yes. In the cut. I was like laughing out loud driving behind this person. They could have had no idea as to like why I was. But anyways, I thought that was great. Just and I was actually thinking about the phrase in the cut earlier. I like I saw one of my coworkers and I was like, oh, this person in the cut. Like I thought about that and I like started laughing. So I've started saying in the cut, like in like family situations. I'm like, oh, what's up? Mo- my mom's in the cut right now. I get- Auntie Eileen in the cut.
I get silence from my family. No one, because A, they don't know what it means, and B, I say weird shit like that all the time that they ignore. Like, there was there was one time, it was after, like, I don't know, I watched some, like, Vine online where they were saying, like, suh, dude. Like, instead of, like, what's up, dude? Just suh, dude. I said suh, dude, maybe, like, 50 times just to no one. <laughs> to, like, my family. They just didn't answer. I'm like, suh? I think we were talking about what in the cut means once, and it was really funny because I was like, what exactly does it oh, mean? Oh, we looked it up. We did. Well, and, and, like, your description, you are like, it just means, like, here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is really funny in yeah. the cut. The other thing I wanted to bring up, I was thinking about this earlier as I was doing a little bit of a dive into some U2. I was listening to the Joshua Tree, and I had the thought that one Tree Hill is a song name on there, yeah. which is also the name of like a like a melodrama, right? Yeah, Some yeah. Kind of show. yeah, yeah. A lot of track names on here sound like potential names for shows like that. You got um, In God's Country, um, <laughs> Running to Stand Still. These all sound like potential soap opera titles. With or Without You is too famous as a song, but still. Where the Streets Have No Name? That sounds like a Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> yeah, that's, They're titled like... That's like, a really good point. Yeah, I, I had that thought. Um, Mothers of the Disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> this week on Mothers of the Disappeared. Yeah. This week on Running to Stand Still. <laughs> That's a great point. Fucking U2. They're, I lo- U2's good. It's a good Check album. out uh, X-Tongue Ax- Baby. I did. I listened to that okay. after it's I listened good, to it. Right? Yeah. And this is all good podcast fodder that's not going to get on there. We'll talk you two at some point. Yeah, we will. The other thing we wanted to plug is Prem Team members, if you're listening right now, mm. um, you've made it again. I th- Prem so Team? I had a thought. I think the Prem Team can keep growing. I agreed. People who find it at the end of each episode, basically what you would do is, if you're hearing this right now, tweet <laughs> hashtag Prem Team. Let's, let's go with the spelling P-R-E-E-M-T-E-A-M because okay. okay. we've had a lot of alternate <laughs> spelling. <laughs> Tweet that at us, and you'll be a member of the club. We're not sure where this Prem Team Club is going to be located at this point, but I think what we're going to do is give away some Level 4 Media stickers yep. to members. Yep. Um, we'll have to figure out how to do that. Maybe mm-hmm. send us your mailing address, yeah. I don't know, or yeah. something. We'll, uh, we'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll get you some stickers. Some giveaways. Yeah. Um, but Prem Team, it's it's a rarefied air. You've made it if you're it in the Prem Team. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah, it just yeah. means that you listen to the end of the podcast. That's but right. It's still good. That's right. Cool. Um, all right, you want to dive in? I do.